Hello and welcome to Get Your Goat. This is Josh here again. This is a Friday. Happy Friday to you all. Looking forward to this weekend. A lot of action happening. A lot of news across all sports. We got a lot to get into today. NFL with Russell Wilson. Lakers, four-game losing streak. College basketball. NHL. And my final Golden Globe predictions for categories I've seen and movies I've seen. Final movie reviews before the Golden Globes happen this Sunday on NBC. So yes, a lot to get into, a lot to cover this Friday afternoon. So let's get into it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Let's get started. First, with Russell Wilson. Big news yesterday. Probably... You know, there's not a lot of news happening in the NFL, so we just have to come up with big news. And with the speculation of Russell Wilson, this is the biggest news yet. There's all this speculation about Russell Wilson wanting a trade, all this crazy stuff. And it came down to Russell Wilson has not requested a trade, but his agent said that there are four teams he would waive his no-trade clause for if you were to accept a trade. And those four teams were the Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, and the Las Vegas Raiders. This is big news because the Seahawks were getting calls from around one-third of the league, as reported. So this narrowed the field definitely. And it also, the agent came out and said, hey, We're kind of open for business if it comes to these four teams. I could see Russell Wilson wanting a change of pace, as has been made about the arguments with the front staff of wanting more control, more power, and the organization more a better offensive line, uh, catering to him. And with him not likely to get it, uh, this is a more uh, please trade me kindly request than the demand of Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to break down those four teams that he put he would waive his no trade clause for, the Chicago Bears, the Dallas Cowboys, the New Orleans Saints, and the Las Vegas Raiders, and what would be the best fit for Russell Wilson now, and in the future, how each team would kind of stack up having Russell Wilson uh, and what that would mean for them on their team. So first, I think the best fit for him would be the Saints, and the Saints would be the best fit for him. This would just be a match made in heaven because the Saints, New Orleans Saints, is such a great team already presently constructed uh, let's just you know forget about their salary cap issues right now, but they're a great team. They have a star running back in Alvin Kamara. They have a star wide receiver in Michael Thomas. They have a good offensive line uh, anchored by Cesar Ruiz at center. And then they have a great Defense, a complete top-to-bottom defense with 
Cameron Jordan, Quan Alexander, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, the Jenkins brothers uh, back there as well. I mean, this is a great team. This would be one of the best teams Russell has played with other than his early days in Seattle with the Legion of Boom. This would be a great fit for Russell Wilson. Uh, he would have receivers to throw to. He'd be protected by a good offensive line, something he hasn't had in Seattle. He'd have a great running back, the best he's had since Marshawn Lynch, uh, arguably his best wide receiver, Michael Thomas. Depth, he has got Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith. Talent, uh, and really, this team was so close in so many years this year, last year and the year past. They were just so good, and they just play off choke jobs. Most of it, to me, comes from Drew Brees looking so good in the regular season and really being underwhelming and underperforming in the postseason. Really, this whole team does, but to me, it starts with the quarterback. So having Russell Wilson back there would prove huge, reap huge benefits if he were to go to the Saints. This would be the team to beat in the NFC, and it would be good for the Saints too, because they have a weak division, really. They have the Carolina Panthers, who are going nowhere fast and are are definitely not tied to Teddy Bridgewater. The only big piece they have is Christian McCaffrey, but they have so many issues on defense and offense as well that this team is not going to be getting it done. Their other team in their division is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, They have a new coach, new system coming in. They have a decent offense. Uh, Matt Ryan is getting older. Julio Jones is getting older, but they have Calvin Ridley. They really have no running game. Uh, Their defense, they have a few pieces. Uh, Garrett Jack on defense, but this defense isn't otherworldly. So this team just hasn't looked good the past few years after their epic Super Bowl collapse. So that would be huge. And then you have the defending Super Bowl champions in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw the rivalry between the Bucks last year and the Saints, Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. This would be huge, having uh, Tom Brady versus Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson with his infamous loss and interception to Tom Brady, getting the better of him. That'd be amazing to have them in the same division go face-to-face twice. Two great teams, the Bucks and the Saints, to me, wouldn't just be battling it out for the division, but for NFC supremacy and a shot to the Super Bowl. Yes, you still have the Packers. You have the Rams coming up. But if the Saints were to get Russell Wilson, they would be the team to beat. Right now it is the Buccaneers and the Saints having issues at quarterback. Packers are set. Saints having Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best deep ball throwers, accurate, precise, can scramble, mobile quarterback, uh, does it all. This pairing with him and Sean Payton would do wonders together, and I could easily see them going to a Super Bowl. Next is the Dallas Cowboys. And this is appealing to the 
this is appealing to Russell Wilson and to the Cowboys because this is a weak division. The NFC East is not good. Uh, the winner last year was six and ten, uh, or I mean, I bet seven, seven and nine, or seven, eight and one with the Washington football team. But the Cowboys weren't good. The Eagles aren't good. The uh, Giants aren't good, and they're not on track to get better as well. So he has the benefit of being in a terrible division. And really, the Cowboys are a quarterback away. Yes, they have Dak Prescott, but having the one of the best quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, reliable is huge and a huge upgrade over Dak Prescott. Yes, Dak Prescott is younger, but having Russell Wilson fit in with his offense, a good offensive line, uh, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, that offense is potent with Ezekiel Elliott running the football. This team would be too good and would vomit them into the upper echelon of the NFC with this offense. Yes, they would have to shore some things up on defense because their defense is good. But having Russell Wilson would automatically, to me, make them division winners. You could give them the division crown right now and I'd be fine with it. Totally fine. It would just be them battling out other top NFC teams. But the Cowboys would be smart making some sort of deal for Russell Wilson. Next, the Chicago Bears. Why the Chicago Bears? Why Russell Wilson want to play there? Well, you know, they're an okay team in an okay division. Definitely winnable. Because you have uh, Minnesota Vikings there. Last year, uh, you know, got a spark on their offense with the drafting of Justin Jefferson. You have Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. But you have an inconsistent quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Yes, he was supposed to be this wonder boy, and they, he was the one piece needed to put Minnesota over the top. But he has not been that guy. And then now their defense is not as potent and ferocious as it once was they were not good simply at all last year this defense was not good and I see them losing a lot next year because of their defense so this defense is not good you have to remember that the Lions are not good they're just not uh they're in process of a rebuild and it's going to take a lot longer for them to get good. Yes, they have picks, but they have Jared Goff as quarterback and a lot of question marks on that defense, question marks at wide receiver, depending on if they re-sign any, such as Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. So we will see about that. Uh, really, it's the Packers, and it was between the Bears and the Packers last season, but the Packers were too good behind Aaron Rodgers uh, and Devontae Adams, MVP last year, uh, best quarterback wide receiver duo last year. Uh, it was too much. So this would be a tough test for the Bears and Russell Wilson. That would be their biggest foe is Aaron Rodgers, uh, more so than Tom Brady because I feel like Aaron Rodgers has more years 
left in the tank than Tom Brady. Tom Brady might only have one or two. I'm not going to make some crazy cliff prediction because Tom Brady is a guy to prove you wrong. But he's 43 years old. One wrong hit, one wrong thing, bugging him could do it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, will play uh, longer than him. So Russell Wilson would have to compete with a great Packers team. And even with Russell Wilson on this Bears team, I would not see the Bears winning this division uh, with the Packers. The Packers are too good, top to bottom. And then lastly, the Raiders, the least uh, beneficial trade destination. Yes, he has quarterback, offensive mind, West Coast offensive guru, and John Gruden is a great coach, uh, players coach that sticks up for you, motivates your team. But the Raiders are in a tough division. Uh, they are. Uh, I don't know why Russell would peg them as one of the teams to get traded to. Uh, you'd be going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year. That's a tough gig. That's a tough ask. Then you have the Chargers. They're on the come up with Justin Herbert. They have Keenan Allen. They have Joey Bosa. They have a lot of good pieces and good talent on that team. So they're going uh, somewhere soon. They're not leaving. Uh, and then you have the and then you have the Broncos, and the Broncos are really no competition. So you're at least guaranteed not being last. Uh, with Russell Wilson there, I definitely would peg them to be second co-favorites of this division with the Chargers. I think it would be tight, uh, but I don't think Russell Wilson wants any part of Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team. We all know how real deal Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, he dominates this division. The Chiefs dominate the AFC West. They do. Uh, that team is too good. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew. Uh, they don't want any part of this. Russell Wilson doesn't want any part of this. I don't know what he was saying, saying the Raiders. And they have an inconsistent team as well. Yes, Josh Jacobs has proved to be well. Darren Waller. Uh, but their defense is shaky. They have a decent O-line, uh, their receivers, they have Henry Ruggs and Aguilar, not any proven studs in this league. So I think the Raiders would be kind of a worse fit. Yes, the Raiders would invite a quarterback upgrade over Derek Carr, but I think, you know, the Raiders and Russell Wilson is not the best fit. Uh, I just feel bad for any team in this division since they have to deal with the Chiefs twice a year and, you know, just counting just counting them out consistently, yes. To me, I think the Raiders put up the best fight against the Chiefs. Uh, we see that with John Gruden. They beat him once this past year, and they have played him close. They play, the Raiders play them tough all the time. So it would be interesting to see with John Gruden if he schemes up with Russell Wilson. But then it's just frustrating because you see them beat the Chiefs. And then barely squeak out a win against the Jets and, you know, lose to the Chargers and Broncos. So, you know, that's all things that need to be addressed on this team.
So now, what trade packages could each of those four teams offer the Seahawks for Russell Wilson that would at least be enticing enough? Well, I have a mock draft or a mock trade for each of those teams. Here I go. Let's go through them and why. First, the New Orleans Saints. They should offer Quan Alexander, linebacker, Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback, and three first-round picks for Russell Wilson. This is huge because it helps out this Seattle defense. K.J. Wright, we just talked about him on the previous podcast, wanting a hometown discount. Uh, I don't see him getting that. I could see him leaving. Oh, guess what? Quan Alexander, he'll fit right in. He'll fit right in, right next to Bobby Wagner. He's younger. He's coming up. He's really good. Was on the 49ers, on the Saints, and now is back in the division, and he could have a chip on his shoulder going against the 49ers. So that would be huge. Uh, Shaq Griffin, cornerback for the Seahawks, has been inconsistent. He had a great year in 2019, and then this past year wasn't his best year. So having a proven cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore would be huge. And then three first-round picks for Seattle to use. Uh, I forgot to throw in that the Seahawks would also get uh, Jameis Winston. They would have a decent quarterback, uh, Jameis Winston. They would have DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett. This offense would be fine. Yes, it would take a step back, a few steps back without Russell Wilson. But you'd have a solid linebacker core, a solid cornerback, and three first-round picks uh, to draft up and get good, good players. Draft up your defensive line, your offensive line, and start with that. You have Jamal Adams back there as well, uh, Quandre Diggs, and those first-round picks would be huge because, like I just mentioned with Jamal Adams, you gave up two first-round picks this year and next year, so you don't even have those picks. So just getting picks back would be huge for this team. So that is a very enticing offer. If the Saints offer that, Seahawks definitely accept it. Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys would have to offer Dak Prescott in two first-round picks. Yes, it was said that three first-round picks would be needed, but you get a very comparable quarterback in Dak Prescott to replace Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott can do a lot of things just in the pocket, throwing the ball, making decisions that Russell Wilson can. Yes, he's not as experienced or finessed about it uh, or have a better uh, ball deep throw, but they can work on that. Uh, Dak Prescott's younger. He can develop that in the next five years or so. That would be huge for this team. Have Dak Dak Prescott, one of the better quarterbacks, in the league, and then you get two first-round picks. You can use that this year and next year, and you basically get your two first-round picks back that you traded for Jamal Adams. So you get those back in a good quarterback. You're in a very good spot. And, then this, of course, the Cowboys get the upgrade with Russell Wilson. Next, the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears would have to offer one of their quarterbacks, 
either Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, preferably be uh, Mitch Trubisky, Khalil Mack, and three first-round picks. Mitchell Trubisky is not good. You can't come at me in any shape or form with this. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is not a star quarterback or a great one. Yes, he goes in spurts, uh, but he would have those same spurts with Seattle look good for four games, look terrible for six games, close out with a few good games. They get a star linebacker, one of the best defensive players, defensive player of the year in Khalil Mack. Uh, That would be huge for this pass rush. But then they could also use those three first-round picks to probably draft another quarterback and shore up more issues on this defense and offense. But they would have one of the best defensive players in his prime. That would be huge. Then the Raiders. The Raiders have the least least amount to offer, least enticing. They would have to offer Derek Carr and four first-round picks. Uh, that's about it. You look at their roster, and there's no huge trade value for really anyone on that team, maybe other than Henry Ruggs. But the Seahawks don't have a huge need there with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So Derek Carr, uh, not a great quarterback. He's a good one. He's solid, but they can evaluate him with their offense and see what is needed while also having four first-round picks. That would be a huge haul for Seattle. I think if Seattle gets any of those offers, they should gladly accept it. But the Seahawks need to fix this situation right away before it gets out of hand. They either need to make Russell Wilson happy, get rid of Pete Carroll, or they need to get rid of Russell Wilson and stick with Pete Carroll and his philosophies. But they need to fix this before this gets any messier than it already is. Yes, we're probably making a big deal about it, but the speculation is great. As a Seahawks fan, I wish my brother was here, but those offers I think would be great, especially the Saints or the Cowboys. And to me, that would be the biggest win-win for both sides. Now moving on to the NBA. Talking about my Lakers... And guess what? They lost again, of course, a couple nights ago to the Jazz. Uh, They're on a four-game losing streak, but I was right. I knew they were going to lose. I picked them losing to the Jazz. Uh, But LeBron has to step it up only 19 points. As I said, he has to get high 20s, uh, into the 30s, for them to win games, uh, which is sad, but that's the truth. Kyle Kuzma has to step it up. He didn't look particularly good last game. None of them looked good as they were all pulled getting into the fourth quarter because it was just, you know, not good. And this was a weak, depleted Lakers team versus uh, the vaunted Utah Jazz is what it was. Dennis Schroeder being out, AD out. Uh, LeBron couldn't do it all, and his supporting cast didn't give him any hope, so LeBron LeBron played that same way, and this was just the Jazz wanting to destroy the Lakers, looking so good. This Jazz beating the Lakers 
uh, the other night was like when Thanos has all has five Infinity Stones and Avengers Infinity War, and he goes to Wakanda to get the sixth one, the Mind Stone from Vision's head, and uh, you know it's just a one last ditch effort. But you know Thanos knows that you know they can throw anything they got at him. It doesn't matter. I can get that sixth stone because I have five others. And that was basically what this Jazz team did to the Lakers. They easily destroyed them and beat them. Uh, six players had double digits. Uh, their defense and three-point shooting were great. They all, I think they shot 45% from three-point range. They were efficient all night long. They stopped the Lakers holding the Lakers to around like 25% three-point shooting. And I've talked about the Lakers' three-point shooting woes, and they just need to fix that. But I was right. I knew it was going to happen, and I expect a lot more Lakers losses with AD out. But then the Warriors also won that same night, beating the Pacers. So I was 2-0 that night on the NBA. Both my picks were right, so at least I had that going for me, even though my team lost. So tonight, what picks do I have for you? Well, I'm going with two again in the first one. Oh, another Pacers. Pacers versus Celtics. And I have the Celtics rebounding tonight. Uh, Yes, they're on a three-game losing streak, four out of their last five. But a lot of their games have been close. They have in three of those five games have been against the Hawks. Two of those losses have been to the Hawks. So that's been huge now playing a different team. Sometimes, you know, you play a team too much, you're too familiar, and you know what's going on, and the Hawks just got the better of the Celtics. But the Pacers have lost two out of their last three, but they're all close as well, two in overtime. But I just expect Brad Stevens and the Celtics to right the ship and get it done. He's done it in the past, and I believe if this season fall and tumbles, for the Celtics and Brad Stevens, this could be it for Brad Stevens. But I at least like the Celtics to rebound tonight against the Pacers. Then you have the Trailblazers versus the Lakers, Portland versus LA. Uh, these are two losing teams as of late. Uh, Trailblazers are on a three game losing streak, and the Lakers are on a four game losing streak. I really don't want to pick either team, but I'm going to pick the Lakers because I don't see them dropping five, uh, and I see the Trailblazers dropping four. Uh, yes, Damian Lillard has been clutch, most clutch player in the league. He's a real deal. Sh- uh, shouldn't have got the nod. He should have got the nod over Luka Doncic because he's been brilliant all season, averaging you know 30 points a game. He's been so good. So I do do see this game being close, but I just have the Lakers winning because I don't see LeBron losing five in a row. And I could be wrong. And, you know, I could see this going either way and the Lakers Lakers losing. And if the Lakers lose, I don't think you'll ever hear me pick the Lakers winning another game again without AD. I think that would be it. It would be like a cutoff. You know, wouldn't be able to do it, have no faith, watch highlights and... uh, that would be it. Watch them go from first seed contenders to, you know, warming up that fifth seed. So we'll see about that. 
then pivoting to college basketball. I was right Wednesday night on Arkansas beating Alabama. It was just a good night for me with my picks, as I'll continue to get into throughout this show. So I was happy about that. Michigan had a big win last night against Iowa. Hunter Dickinson dominated Luca Garza on the defensive end thoroughly, made him look tired and not like the National Player of the Year. Franz Wagner looked good, and this team looked great, especially in the second half. This is a great second-half team, and I think the best second-half team in college basketball. They adapt so well, going you know from 32 points in the first half to scoring 47 points in the second half. And we see this trend with Michigan, you know, get off to slow starts, having it be close hit halftime, and then they just blow the team out of the water in the second half. You know, they keep them at bay. But Michigan sees your weaknesses. They see what you're doing, uh, what they're doing wrong on offense, uh, what they're doing right on defense, and then working around it and exploiting their weaknesses more in the second half. That's what they do. They come at your weaknesses, and they just take you down. Uh, it's like, oh, that game, you know, six points. It's like, you know, they can come back next team. You know, it goes from six to 16, and all hope is lost when there's seven minutes left. So that's huge for the Michigan Wolverines basketball team. And another huge upset last night, Michigan State upset Ohio State. Two huge upsets in a row for them. First beating Illinois. Now the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're trying to crawl their way back into the tournament. Get into the March Madness bracket. So good for Michigan State. Keep up those upsets. Because it's going to be even sweeter when Michigan beats you in a couple weeks. And congratulations to MLB. MLB fans, spring training starts this weekend. I believe it starts Sunday. So you now have MLB to look forward to. We, I will definitely be getting into more of that future podcast and future shows. As and you know, MLB is great, but I'm going to finish some of my MLB for my concluding take. Now moving on to the NHL. I was right about my Flyers pick. On Wednesday, the Philadelphia Flyers beat the New York Rangers right on that one. So I was perfect on all my picks until that last NHL game where I picked the Blues and the Los Angeles Kings beat the St. Louis Blues 2-1. So I lost out on that one for sure. That was a bummer. I could have gone undefeated, but I did not see that. Uh, Kings actually are playing so well recently. Uh, Penguins. Lost to the Caps yesterday. My Pittsburgh Penguins lost to the Washington Capitals. That was not good after they just had some of their best stretch, best games against the Islanders and their win against the Capitals. And then they pulled that stunt on me uh, and kind of fall flat without Jason Zucker, uh, which loss is huge for them long term. TJ Yoshi sliding on the ice, getting a goal. Uh, you know, I, I don't want that. You know, he can get that kind of goal on anybody else. Except for the Penguins, I don't care. You know, you can have that goal of the year candidate and be all happy against any team else. But the Penguins, that's humiliating. That's something I'm probably going to be looking at the rest 
of the year, sadly, and for years to come in this rivalry. So thank you, Tristan Jari, for letting that one go in, defense letting that in just, that was terrible. Uh, That game was terrible. So tonight, I will make my picks. There's only three games on tonight. Flyers-Rangers, I'm going to excuse myself because I pick the Rangers a lot. Or I pick with that team a lot or in those games. But I'm pivoting to the Kings Wild. And I'm picking the Wild simply because I do not like the Kings. I'm not a Kings fan. Raised in Arizona, the rivalry between the Coyotes and the Kings. I just don't like the Kings, never liked them. always thought they were dirty with Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick, Andre Kopitar, Justin Brown, Jeff Carter. Don't like any of them, so I'm picking the Wild. You can prove me wrong, L.A., but I am picking the Minnesota Wild. They have a great rookie in Kaprikov. Uh, this team is playing well. They're really hot. These are really two hot teams on, like, five-game winning streaks. Uh, so they're both playing well, but I like the Wild at home getting it done. Then, the Avalanche and the Coyotes. I have the Arizona Coyotes beating the Colorado Avalanche uh, because this Arizona Coyotes team is resilient. Uh, down 3-0 to zero against the Ducks two times in a row the last two games. And they come back and win the game. That is huge. That's a huge confidence boost. That shows that your team is never out, even when it looks shaky. They can find ways to score and win games. And that's insanely huge for the confidence of the Coyotes. So I see the Coyotes entering this matchup against Colorado actually really hot. But again, this could be flipped saying, hey, you know, we got lucky. It was a Ducks choke. So these next two games against the Avalanche tonight and tomorrow night will show what the Coyotes are made of. And I'm looking forward to watching that. Now I am exiting the sports world. Until my final get your goat take. All right. Talking about the stock market real quick. Stock market was down today. It's down after hours. Uh, 469 points. But, you know, Apple was uh, positive today. Uh, you had GameStop fluctuate again. Uh, you have a bigger GameStop. Tesla fluctuate again. You don't really have... Crazy numbers after hours, uh, down or up, either way, or huge volume on Fridays. But uh, this definitely is fun. The more I learn about the stock market and you know short selling and hedge funds and all this kind of stuff, it definitely is interesting and enjoyable. So I definitely urge everybody to invest and look into that and get us portfolio started. Now, on to the Golden Globes. Or actually, before I do that, my Minari movie review. Watch that on Wednesday with my mom. Had my A24 screening, and that movie was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, Lee Isaac Chung made an excellent movie, uh... South Korean filmmaking is amazing. Uh, last year with uh, Boon Jung-ho and Parasite. This year with Minari. This is great. That movie, to me, was flawless. Maybe the ending wasn't my favorite, but other than that, the acting was great all around with the mom and the dad, the little kid, and the grandma. 
it was great. The story was great about, you know, the father from Korea to California, now to Arkansas with his farm, and the, just the elements of really the grandma and the young boy, and then the wife and the husband. Both those storylines and acting were great throughout. The plot was great. Uh, it was funny. It was sad. It really had all the elements of a great story and a great movie. So hats off to Minari. Definitely excited for this movie. Come award season. I think it should pick up a lot. So now, getting into my final Globes predictions for, you know, really the categories I've seen. I haven't seen some of the major categories. I'm not a huge, you know, comedy musical fan, so I don't really tend to watch those movies, so, you know, I won't make any predictions for those categories and movies I have not seen. So first off, starting with best drama motion picture, what do I think? Well, I think Promising Young Woman should win, as I said in my previous review on that movie, to me, that movie is one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. Uh, favorite movie of this award season. It was definitely a different movie. A great, you know, revenge thriller. Uh, had all the elements and just a great performance by Carrie Mulligan with a great uh, script by Emerald Fennell and her just directing style and the way they captivated uh, Carrie as... Uh, this woman and what she's plagued by and what she's seen and the way she goes about getting her revenge. To me, this movie uh, was great. Uh, the way it was shot was amazing. So I definitely think it should win. But I think Nomadland will win. After seeing that, to me, that's just, you know, a critic favorite. They fall in love with it. And to me, you know, I liked it. It wasn't my favorite, but I think it will win. Uh the strong, uh, you know, re resignation that it has with people, uh, you know, working class people and, you know, that nomad lifestyle, the way it's shot, it's really, you know, beautiful and has great sequences. And I just think this is one that, you know, they're going to reward uh, for really going all in and portraying this nomad lifestyle. I didn't uh, short anybody at all, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if the trial of the Chicago 7, fire of five trial of the Chicago 7 were to win this thing either. It has a great cast, you know, great story, it's true, uh, and it's, you know, that kind of political piece that people like and tends to do well in award season. So I could see that movie winning, and I expect it to do well. And I totally would be fine with it winning as well. Either of those ones, you know, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Of course, I favor Promising Young Woman, but either of those two, I wouldn't have any, you know, strife over. Whereas I haven't seen The Father. It hasn't been out yet where I live. And then Mank, I thought was boring and... Uh, you know, you can have it as an award uh, nominee, but don't reward it with anything. Now, 
best actor in a drama. I think Riz Ahmed should win. Yes, that's controversial, but I think he should win because he gave a great performance. He was immersed into the deaf community, uh, learned sign language, and it was really heart-wrenching, that performance. Uh, You know, all of a sudden, not being able to hear anymore. You know, one day you're hearing sign, and the next thing you know, it's in and out, and you're, you know, losing hearing rapidly. And, you know, you're... You don't really care if you're losing your hearing. You just want to make money. You see, you know, the spot that him and his girlfriend, Lou, are in. But I definitely think Riz Ahmed should win for The Sound of Metal in his journey in that movie and the character arc that he takes. Uh, but I think Chadwick Boseman will win. Uh, seems like this is his time. He's fallen in love with, yes, he gave a, gave a great performance and to me. I think it puts him over the edge with his his character's crazy mental breakdown at the end of a film. Uh, that kind of puts him over the top having that last bit of performance. But, you know, just his swag that he had on screen, the way he carries himself was amazing. Uh, you know, just really that whole ending act of him, you know, wanting to play his songs, his music. They don't let him and then, you know... The killing of that guy. I mean, it's all insanity. But definitely, to me, it's Riz Ahmed. But Chadwick Boseman will win, and I'll be totally fine with that. As I love Chadwick, especially from his work with Marvel. So having the late Chadwick honored at this, I'd be totally fine with. Now, best actress in a drama. Let's see. Oh, Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman should win, and she will win. She gave the epic performance right here, the full uh, three-act character arc, uh, explaining her character, setting up what she is doing, how she is doing it, why she is doing it, gets her revenge with you know this crazy ending, ending in her dying, but getting her revenge. It's this just sweet, slick performance. Uh, she gets immersed. She, to me, doesn't even look like Carrie Mulligan's at times. Uh, but when she goes out to certain clubs, she looks like a totally different person and really goes all in on this role of this woman. But I am on the fence. Frances McDormand is loved and right and deservedly so, rightly so. But I don't think she should win this time. She was one of a past two-time winner. She was great in Nomadland, the true Nomad. Uh, but I don't think she should win. Uh, Viola Davis has won before, and she went under, underwent a huge transformation to be Ma in Ma's Rainey's Black Bottom. But Carrie Mulligan deserves this. I think she will do it. This one, I will definitely be upset if she does lose. Uh, the other ones are great contenders. But Carrie Mulligan has the over-the-top performance. Best Supporting Actor, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah should win. His command of the film and movie, to me, he feels more like the lead actor. Uh, But his performance, he just commanded every time he was on screen. His presence was felt, and it was great. But I think Sasha Baron Cohen will win. Uh, He's getting a lot of love for all his movies, uh, Borat. And the Chicago 7. 
so I think he will win, even though personally I like Daniel Kaluuya to win. Best Supporting Actress, I think Glenn Close should win for Hillbilly Elegy. I thought her performance uh, was great, especially her in the dynamic between uh, her son, her daughter Amy Adams and then her grandson. That was all really good. But I think Olivia Colman will win because um, the awards uh, HFPA love Olivia Colman. They do. It's evident of a crown, the favorite. She is the favorite. She's Olivia Colman. Uh, she is the new next Meryl Streep. Mark my words, yes, she got a later start than Meryl Streep did in this, but she is racking up nominations year after year after year, and I think she'll be awarded again with and a win for her performance in The Father. Best Director, I think it'll be Chloe Zhao over in Nomadland over everybody. I think she will win. She should win, uh, deservedly so, for the way that movie is shot and constructed and getting into the life of a nomad is that kind of case study. So definitely give it to her, especially if she wins Best Picture. Best Screenplay. I think she'll go to Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. She should win. Uh, it was written great. Uh, to me, this is you know kind of that compensation award for the Golden Globes for not getting the Best Picture award. So I think she should win. Uh, definitely, but I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Sorkin wins, and I think he will win for Trial of the Chicago 7. That movie was great, and really, you just have those three top movies of Trial of the Chicago 7, Promising Young Woman, and Nomadland, fighting it all out for the awards this Sunday. That's at least what I think and what my thinking is going in. All right, foreign language film, best foreign language film. Minari, hands down, no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. Best animated film, I think Onward should win. To me, that was my favorite, you know, animated film of the year. I really liked it. Uh, the characters, you know, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland were great in it. Uh, the story was great with them and their, you know, friendship slash their brothers and then their dad and the journey they go on. But I think Soul will win. Uh, that's the one. Getting all the love, so you can go ahead and give it to Soul. Now, quickly moving on to TV, best drama series. I think The Mandalorian should win because I love The Mandalorian. I love Star Wars. I think John Favreau should get this. People love The Mandalorian. It's loved on Disney Plus. It's loved all around. So you can just give it to it, and everybody would be fine about it. But it's not going to win. The Crown will win because everybody somehow loves the Crown. I've never met anybody that loves a crown, but it just seems like everybody loves a crown. It's confusing. Best TV actress in a drama. I think Jodie Comer should win for her work in The Killing Eve, because I love The Killing Eve. Just started watching it, and her performance is amazing. Uh, the way she plays this Russian assassin, you know, turning good is great, but Olivia Coleman is going to win, as previous mentioned. She's Olivia Coleman. She's in the crown. Uh, she's a winner. Give it to her. You know, you could give it to her however long. The crown goes on. Next, best television motion picture is The Queen's Gambit. Uh, hands down, that's going to win. 
no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. So then Best Actress in a TV Motion Picture will be Anya Taylor-Joy because she was the lead in The Queen's Gambit. Again, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So boom, my final get your goat take. I'm going to do a spinoff on both of these for Golden Globes. Promising Young Woman should win it all. Uh, I know that's not a super unpopular take. A lot of people agree with that. So there's that one. But for sports, my get your goat take is this. The reason why the NFL is so loved, at least to me, and the reason why people love the NFL is because the season is much shorter. And so when the season is short, and since the season is shorter, the games mean more, which means more people are watching week to week. They know, hey, if I win this game, the last few games of a season are playoff weeks, and they kind of have you know their huge games Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night spread around and usually have great matchups. Yes, to me, Thursday nights are most of the duds, but they have good matchups in meaningful games because of a division playing twice a year. Just the way the NFL is constructed, it is more enticing and just to the average viewer, more fun to watch. Whereas with NBA, NHL, you have an 82-game slate, a lot of games. You know, you lose five in a row. Uh, it's scary, but it really doesn't mean much in the long run. You know, you have, of course, eight teams from a uh, conference on each side. So you have a higher chance of making it to the playoffs and doing well. Uh, but then again, the regular season doesn't mean as much. So then if you don't have people actively watching every regular season game, uh, how do you expect to have people watching the playoffs, finals, and things like that? And same for MLB. 162 games, uh, or 160, whatever it is, just ridiculous. So many games, you know, they play for a week straight, and you know you can miss a week, and you do just fine. Again, it's nice to have hot starts and all these leagues are hot stretches. Uh, but for baseball, you know, you can start really bad. You know, you could start, you know, with, you know, have majority losses and be like, I don't know, 80 games through and be, you know, what is it, you know, 40 and 40, 20 and 40. But then you could pull on some crazy win streak and get in because it's like two halves of a season and it's insane because the games are so long. So because of that, uh, people not being as uh, watching MLB every game all the way through. They're not going to care as much about the playoffs and postseason, especially they actually have a limited, so not as many teams get in. So that's different. So to me, that's why NFL is the best. They just have our constructed the best, and they're the best because of their schedule, uh, the divisions, the conferences, the teams, the matchup, everything NFL does with uh, Commissioner Goodell, yes, he gets a bad rap, but he does everything uh, most mostly correctly and handles it the right way. So props to the NFL and Commissioner uh, Roger Goodell for being the best in the sports world. That is my Get Your Goat take. I'm signing off with that. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you all have a great weekend. Talk to you next week.